0: About a week and a half ago, Mozilla, an internet browser service, announced that their new chief of technology, a guy named Brendan Icke, who had been on the job for about two weeks, was resigning. He was resigning under pressure. In other words, he he was doing it voluntarily, but he had to do it. I mean, it was so much heat on him. What had he done? Had he stolen money? Had he beating up his secretary, what had he done? Well, he dared supported, in 2008, Proposition 8 in California. If you're not familiar with that, Proposition 8 in California was a, uh, something they voted on to keep marriage between a man and a woman, a legal marriage. And, by the way, in California, it did pass by a majority of people, and then it went to the courts, and the courts overturned the majority of the people's vote, which is not uncommon in our day and age. Forced to resign, not for hateful acts, words, or deeds, but simply because he had given his money to something that was against the gay agenda of our hour. Unless you've been asleep or your head's been in the sand or you've been in a drug-induced coma for the last uh, two years, you know that homosexuality is the hottest moral issue on the table today, and it's something that you and I absolutely need to be right on. Romans chapter 1 is the fundamental passage, but I'm going to use a lot, so I always want to encourage you, come to church with your Bible, come to church with a pen and paper, and so you can write down a lot of these verses, and what I want us to do is I want us to look at God's thoughts on the subject, not my thoughts, my opinions, I'm just the messenger, I'm just sharing uh, with you what God says. And uh, let me remind you, you may be very angry at me at some point in the sermon. That's okay. Just listen to the whole sermon. I hope you always do, but but hang with us this morning because uh, where I start and where I may uh, end may may be different. And uh, there will be some, some change in it. And also, uh, we love to get notes and things on the cards. But always sign your card when you turn it in. Because if you don't sign it, we don't read it. And we don't ever want to throw away a prayer request. And I mean, like you want to say that I am the greatest pastor in the world. Just I want to read that. So put your name on it. If you want to say I'm the biggest jerk in the world, I need to know who said that. I mean, that's just honestly, that's biblical. So uh, sign what you turn in so we can read it and have a record of what is God's thoughts on the subject. What's God's thoughts? Fundamentally, here it is. God says it's sin. God says homosexuality is sin. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, look what it says. If a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, that's the thing, have sex with them. Both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. Now, you read that and you go, whoa, man, God really must have disapproved of this. And God was picking on people uh, who struggle with this sin. Well, go back three verses. Go back to verse 10. if a man commits adultery with another man's wife and the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress, read that out loud, put to death. Did God, God took very seriously the sexual boundaries we've talked about, didn't He? So when you hear someone say, "Well, God's homophobic," God doesn't like homosexuals. God in the Old Testament, God said, "Put him to death." No, no, no. There were other multiple things that God says if you cross this line, you we're going to stretch your head till your life ends. Okay, and so it, it's real easy to miss that part that. It did not just stop there. Now, here's what people say. Well, that's just the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. When you don't want to tithe, what do you say? You say, that's just the Old Testament. And when people are talking about homosexuality today, what do they say? For fundamentally, one thing they'll say, that's just the Old Testament, the Old Testament law. And I've heard politicians kind of snicker. And don't get your theology from a politician, by the way, or from a newscast. But they, uh, they'll say, well, what of the Old Testament do we follow? I mean, all the hand washings and all this, that. Folks, the Old Testament, there's about five different types of laws. What you see in these two passages are two of the laws the moral and ethical law don't commit adultery, don't commit homosexuality, that never changes. When God said in the Old Testament, don't steal, he didn't in the New Testament say, oh, shucks, we're under grace. Go in the store and grab all you can, brother. No, the moral and ethical never changes. The civil part of the law was in Israel at that time, it was a theocracy. Later, it was a king-ran theocracy, and they they had the, the rules of the land. And one of the rules was if you committed adultery or you committed a homosexual act, you died for that crime. Now, even in Jesus' days, we'll see next week, when Jesus, they wanted to kill Jesus, they could have killed him, but it would not have been legal. They had to go through the Roman authorities, remember, through Pilate and the Roman authorities. In in Jesus' day, they still weren't, weren't able to practice the civil laws. Do you see the distinction and the moral and the ethical? Now, this is interesting, too. The Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Association. Wouldn't you like to answer the phone for them? Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender. If you did that like eight times, you'd just be saying hello, wouldn't you? I mean, really. They, uh, of the 195, 196 countries in our world, here's the report they put out. 76, this is today, 76 to 82 countries in our world, it is still illegal to practice homosexuality. I didn't say it's illegal for gays to get married. I said it is still illegal in, in up to eighty-two countries in our world today to practice homosexuality. There's at least ten countries in the world today that, if you are found guilty of homosexuality today, you will die for that crime. So don't think the Old Testament's just some weird uh, book. It's still America has normalized something that a lot of the world still has not accepted. As normal. That's, that's pretty important to understand. But you still go, okay, this just, just Old Testament. Well, Romans 1, 26 through 28. Read this with me you, in your Bibles or on the screen. It says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Now, folks, I'm fixing to quote President Obama I want to tell you now, I want you to stay with me because I'm, if you're a Democrat, I'm going to kick the Republicans in just a moment. I'm going to kick some conservatives. And I'm not trying to be political at all, but I, here's the truth. When a politician or a public figure makes statements on moral and biblical issues, especially when they're way off base, we need to respond. It's not being political to address that. President Obama was asked about, he's changed his mind on the gay marriage. You may not remember two years ago, he's against it. Now he's for it. And when he was asked about the Romans passage, here's what he said, well, we can't go by some obscure passage in Romans. This is about as obscure as the Lord's supper table. I mean, it's about as obscure as a baseball bat to the head. That is so blatantly clear. And it might be easy to say today, well, this is all Bible. And we know in the Bible times it was like Sunday school and everybody was good and it was beaver cleaver. (laughs) Folks, nothing could be farther from the truth. When God used Paul to write this letter to Rome, Paul was living in Corinth. If you've been here the last few weeks, remember when I said Corinth was Las Vegas on steroids? I mean, party and, and morals of no value whatsoever. I want to read to you something that a great scholar, New Testament scholar, William Barclay, wrote about the times that Paul lived in. So, so you won't say, oh, they, oh, the Bible doesn't understand America today. Barclay, a great, again, New Testament scholar, said that this sin, homosexuality, had swept like a cancer through the Greek life. And from Greek, Greece had invaded Rome. He said, we today, and he's writing 50 years ago, can scarcely realize how riddled the ancient world was with homosexuality. Even such a great man as Socrates practiced it, probably bisexuality. 14 out of the first 15 Roman emperors practiced bisexuality or homosexuality. At the time that Paul wrote this to Rome, guess who was sitting on the throne at Rome? The good, sweet Christian, Nero. And I say that very facetiously. Nero took a boy, had the boy brought in, and had a formal royal wedding and married a young boy. By the way, he already had multiple female wives and another husband he was married to at the time. Now, when Nero, the pervert, was taken off the throne, the guy that followed him decided not only did he want his throne, he would keep his little boy toy with him too. So when, when this was written, this was not written to people who did not understand homosexuality in the culture. And when, when you talk about courage, folks, when Paul said, this is wrong... His neck was literally on the line, and he had the courage to say it was wrong. I want to tell you this. Folks, you can go to a church. You can YouTube them. You can find a preacher who will say anything you want them to say, brother. They'll agree with you. You can can justify any, any position on anything. Denominations are embracing homosexuality. I'm going to quote a preacher later who's embracing it openly. But I want to tell you, if we could get 10 people from Mars, 10 people from Mars, and bring them here and teach them how to read the Bible, and they never heard anything about the Bible, Jesus, right or wrong, 10 people reading the Bible simply for what it says would walk away from it. And you know what they would say? Homosexuality is wrong, according to the Bible. Okay? Okay? Now, here's a really important question, especially for you young people. Isn't this being judgmental? I I, I mean, when you say this is sin, aren't you being judgmental? I mean, that's what we're hearing. I watch Bill O'Reilly a couple of nights a week. Sometimes I really like what he says. Sometimes I scream at him. He scares me a little bit. He's written a book now that I believe he thinks is more accurate than the New Testament. By the way, it's not. O'Reilly, when the Phil Robertson thing blew up in December, y'all remember that, don't you? O'Reilly took a strong stance against Phil Robertson. And here's what scripture he used and put on his screens. Luke six thirty-seven. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Don't condemn and you will not condem- be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. The only problem is, I don't know why O'Reilly didn't put up that Romans passage. That's called cherry-picking, you pick and choose what scriptures you want to use, and O'Reilly was shaking his big bony finger uh, at Phil for being judgmental. Let me define to you. Please write this down if you're taking notes because this is so crucial. What does the biblical word "judge" here means? Found in Matthew seven one two, it means to condemn someone. It means to pass sentence. To condemn someone or judge someone is to put unjust criticism. On them. And that is absolutely wrong. To condemn, to put unjust criticism on someone, to throw them under the bus, to say, I hate you. I don't only hate what you do, but I hate your behavior. That is wrong. But listen, to tell someone that you disagree with something they're doing isn't being judgmental. Mom and dad, I hope you're doing this every day. <laughs> Some of that's just called wisdom, isn't it? Well, my kid's out playing with a lighter and the gasoline. Oh, I don't want to judge them and tell them it's wrong. I don't want to deny them. Poof! (laughs) Yeah, you're a great parent, aren't you? You know, I I don't know if any of you here smoke. You may. I used to smoke. You know what? If you're smoking two packs a day, one pack a day, it's probably bad for you. It's probably going to hurt you. I love you. I like the way it smells. I really do. I can sit around it. And I, you know, I just know I don't need to do it for a lot of reasons. But I'm not hating you and hating on you if I tell you, quit getting high, that's not going to help you. By the way, it's illegal. Oh, no, you're hating. No, I'm not. Just like if you see me with four chocolate pies in my hand saying, don't eat all those. Billy's going to prick you, and blood's not going to come out. Sugar's just going to come out. You're not being judgmental to say that you disagree with a behavior. You follow me? Okay, here's, a, here's another thing. Isn't this all genetical and biological? Okay? Folks, if it's all biology and it's all genetics, then, then no one's responsible. It's, it's, We've really got a conundrum here, too. By the way, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, listen to what it says. Do you not know that the wicked will not go to heaven? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, idolaters, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers will end up going to heaven someday. Now, folks, here's a real tough thing. And please hear me on this. This is not saying if you say stuff you shouldn't or you mess up that you're going to hell. What it's saying here is if those behaviors are a pattern of your lifestyle consistently, then the Holy Spirit does not live in you. You can't live that way. Now, not just talking about the homosexual or the adulterer, but a slanderer. T- you cannot live that way consistently and be saved is what God's saying. That's behavior of a lost person. In fact, it goes down a verse or two and it says, Hey, but, but a lot of the people in the church today in Corinth that are saved used to be like that. So they could change. So here's what I want to say to you. If it is biological and genetical and God says that that person won't go to heaven, then before a person was ever born, God made you and, and you're lost. And you're never going to be saved. you ever thought about that? That ups the ante a little bit, doesn't it? Friend, that doesn't fit my theology. I don't think God created you to die and go to hell. The Bible says hell wasn't made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. So if it's biological and genetical, we got huge problems. But I want to submit to you, I don't believe it is biological and genetical at all. You see, to buy into the genetic thing, here's what you've got to buy into. You've got to buy into that it's genetical, but it's also normal. Let me give you an example. You, you, you know what dwarfism is, don't you? Dwarfism is a genetical issue. Now, if you know someone's a dwarf or you're a dwarf, no, that's not a, an issue. You're wonderful. You're creating the image of God. But that's not the norm, is it? I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not normal genetically for a, an adult to be very, very small. But what the homosexual agenda is trying to sell us is that that it's genetical and that it's normal, that that's the way they were made and that's okay. Back in the 90s, uh, a homosexual scientist named Simon LeVay published a report about Uh, The gay gene, and in fact, it made Newsweek articles, a front-page cover story about "Is Your Child Gay?" Simon Levay was gay. Simon Levay is—he's still alive—was looking hard for a gay gene. Here's what he said: "I didn't find it. Do you get that?" I did not find it. Man, he was honest enough to say, I searched, I looked, I didn't find it. In 2003 and 2005, there was huge genetic studies. The Genome Project, one of them was called. And you know what? They did not find the gay gene that they were looking for. Neuroscience is very interesting today. They're beginning to look at our brain, and they're beginning to see how our brain takes different shapes and forms. And the debate now really is, is it, is it your, your brain structure created the behavior, or your behavior altered your brain structure? Now, here's the truth. They have not found a gay gene. They have not found a direct link biologically to a person being born gay. And you better believe, if they ever feel like they do, it will be shouted from the mountaintops could a person have a propensity to homosexuality naturally possibly you know what there's obesity genes did you know that there's a propensity to being overweight how many of you understand that about four of us do okay listen I get it from my mama's side But my mama's side, there is a propensity for porky, okay? And then not only did we have it in the jeans, but we were born with a biscuit in our hand. I mean, my mama, we had three meals a day. Some of you are going, what in the world is that? That's breakfast, lunch, and supper. And my mother made a dessert every night. How many of you have ever experienced that? Maybe about eight of us. And listen, if we didn't have dessert, we had ice cream. I mean, it had chubby written all over it. And my dad kept telling me when I was young, he said, you're going to have a problem someday once you quit sports. I said, no, I'm not. And then, you know, 22, it's like nature and nurture. But you know what? I don't have to weigh 500 pounds. I have a dear friend in Texas who's a pastor who's an alcoholic for 20 years, every every day for 20 years, got up, went to work, came home drunk, but was able to function 20 years, went to rehab, dried out, became a Christian, as a pastor today, here's what he said. He said, there is no doubt some people have a propensity to being addicted to things. They have a propensity to alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever. He said that the thing is you just don't have to do it. You do not have to do it. So here's what I want to say to you. Is it nature? Is it nurture? Who knows? It may be a little bit of both, but it's sin, and you and I have a responsibility to not sin. How many of you recognize the name Squeaky Fromm? Raise your hand. I really, I, I, there's, a, there's a couple of us that do. She's a sophomore at tech. No, she's not, thank goodness. <laughs> I call her the Squeakster. Squeaky was part of the beautiful Manson family. You know who the Manson family is, right? Squeaky was not with those weirdos when they butchered two innocent families on back-to-back nights. She was not with them. Now, she did later go to prison for 20 years for trying to assassinate President Ford, so she's not like a Girl Scout or anything. Squeaky was asked one time, do you think what Susan Atkins and Tex Watson and all of them did when they brutally murdered those innocent people, do you think it was wrong? Here's what she said. Hey, man, she had to be stoned when she said this. Hey, man, if they felt it was right, it was right. How many of you can spell baloney? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And see, that's what we're hearing today. We're hearing is if you think it's okay, whatever it is, and it's homosexuality today, then it is. Listen, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. It doesn't matter what you and I think or how you feel. 2 plus 2 always equals 4. God says it's sin. Now, here, what do we do with this? What do we do with this in our lives today? How do we flesh this out? As a church, how do we flesh this out? If, if you're here today and you're struggling with homosexuality, how do you flesh this out? Everybody in here knows somebody probably who struggles with it. How do we help them? Let me give you a few things. Number one, hold on to the truth. Hold on to the truth. Now, listen, this is getting harder and harder and harder and harder to do. Let me give you some reasons why it's getting harder you got President Obama, our president of our country, who is celebrating gay marriage. And when athletes come out and announce they're gay, it's celebrated. You go, oh, I'm picking on the Democrats. George Herbert Walker Bush. You remember, George, that was George W.'s dad in Barbara. Seemed like wonderful conservative people. Last summer, last year, in Maine, they were kind of like the best man and the best woman in a lesbian marriage. The Clintons who were against it are now for it. Hillary said her claim to fame as Secretary of State was going around the world promoting gay and lesbian transgender rights. Maybe that's why Putin's taking over the world today. Who knows? So it's hard. It's hard when your president and your leaders are saying, oh, this is okay. This is not a bad thing, it's good. You're going, I'm trying to hold on the truth. I'm trying to hold on my Bible. I read an article this week of a Baptist lady pastor in Washington, D.C. Here's what she said about Christians who oppose gay marriage, that we're bullies, we're evangelical bullies because we disagree with her position. Back in the late 40s and early 50s, a guy named Alfred Kinsey did a massive sex study that's still well-known today One of the things about Kinsey's research is it's terrible. Kinsey came out and said 10% of men in America are gay. Guess where he did most of his studies? In male prisons. How many of you think that it might be a little bigger of a problem there than it is in a typical fraternity attack? I read not long ago, 25% of Americans, listen to this, 25% of Americans are homosexual. Wow. Wow. And then I read last year a scientific research study from UCLA. You are familiar with UCLA? It's not a little Bible college in California. I asked my staff members one day, who are pretty smart, I said, How, how, how much of the population do you think is gay? I went, In your head right now, how much do you think it is? They said 5%, 10%, 15%. You know what UCLA study said? It's 1.8. 1.8. 1.8. Joseph Goebbels, and I'm not at all tying Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister to homosexuality. But when he was leading Hitler's charges, here's what he said, and I'm paraphrasing. If you repeat a lie long enough and loud enough, people begin to accept it as the truth. And when you hear from the president and past presidents, and you hear people saying 25% of our population is, it starts getting confusing, doesn't it? And then you, you have a best friend that comes out and says they're gay or your child or your family member, your friend. I see on Facebook, I hear people say, well, I found out one of my children's gay, so I have to embrace it and accept it now. No, you don't. Good grief. Do your children decide what's right or wrong? Some of you older people, do your parents? I hope not. I hope you're past that. Younger people, I hope it is your parents. Young people, man, college, and and you younger ones, you're a hater. You're a homophobe. You know what phobia means? It means fear of. I'm not afraid of homosexuality any more than I'm afraid of heterosexuality. I'm a snakeophobe. I'm a spinachophobe. But see, when you get all these things thrown on you, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're a phobic. You hold on to the truth. You're trying to be intimidated. i want to read to you a quote. You need to write this down. It's not for me. A lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. And evil does not become good just because it is accepted by a majority. A lie doesn't become truth, wrong, not right evil good just because a majority says it is good rick warren the pastor in california was on pierce morgan show not long ago pierce morgan was trying to trap him on the homosexual issue and rick warren finally said i believe it's sin i believe it's wrong and pierce morgan said wait a second The vast majority of Americans accept it. They believe it's right. They approve of it. Here's what Rick Warren said. Rick Warren said, I would rather have the approval of God Almighty than every person on this world. Amen. Hold on to the truth. Number two, don't judge people. Luke 6, 37 Do not judge and you will not be judged. Don't condemn and you will not be condemned. Remember what that means. It means to pass sentence on. It means to be harsh on. It means to criticize. See, here's where we've messed up, Christians. We've hated the sin and the sinner. We've said, well, they're not welcome in our church. They're not welcome at my table. By the way, God God lists the slanderer The adulterer and the person who worships their job, he lists them right with the homosexual. So we're going to start booting people out of church, brother. It's going to be a small group here. Don't judge people. Don't you pass sentence on them. Don't condemn them. You can say, I don't agree with what you do and not be mean and hateful. Church, are you following me? Goes right with this, love them. Next, love them. You say, I'm going to hold on to the truth. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to be hateful. And I'm going to love you no matter what's going on in your life. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all else, love deeply. Covers a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean it ignores it or washes it away. It, It just means that you can... You can survive and thrive despite a lot of junk. James 3, 9, I love this little verse. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. So listen to this. Every adulterer, slanderer, drug addict, homosexual, Baptist (laughs) that you know is made in the image of God. Isn't that awesome? Someone said we need to practice compassionate purity. If we hold on to the truth, we're going to be pure, but we're compassionate. When when Cindy and I first got married, we we had a, a lot of friends who uh, who were not married, or had friends who were, who were not married, and they they lived together and they would come see us. Most of it was still when we were in Texas. If sometimes it was here, and and they they were living together, not being married, which is you know. They're having sex. I'm, I'm going to bet, you know, like everything I own on that. No, we're just, you know, we share separate rooms and just share the TV. Yeah, whatever. And they would come to our house, and here's what we would say. We would say, man, we want you to come. You know what? You're going to sleep in this room, and she's going to sleep in this room. Well, we're adults, you know, and we do this. We live together. No, I don't care. This is my house. And we love you. and We're going to buy your food. You're going to have to go to church while you're here, by the way. And, and we love you, and it's going to be fun and all this. But when you're at our house, you're going to sleep in this room. You're going to sleep in this You know how many people we ever had get mad at us? Zero. Love people despite the john. You hold on to the truth. You're not judgmental. You love them. And number four, win them to Christ. You're a Christian. You are called to be Christ's ambassador, a soul winner. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. Though God was making his appeal through us, we beg you to be reconciled to God. God's telling you what God's saying to you. He's saying, listen, you have friends who are struggling with homosexuality. You love them. You pray for them. You do everything you can to help them come to Jesus Christ. Do everything. Everything you can to help them come to Jesus Christ. And lastly, if you're struggling with this this morning, you need to come to Christ. John 3.17 is the pretty twin of, of verse 3.16. John 3.16 is so powerful, it overshadows this. Look what it says. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world Through him. Three times in one verse, it uses the word world, which means the sum total of individuals. If you today are, are watching by internet or you're here and you're struggling with homosexuality, I want to tell you, Jesus is the answer. All your problems aren't going to go away. All your issues, you may have to work hard. You may struggle for a long time. But you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the foundation for everything else. We got the answer, don't we, church? It's Jesus. And he loves you. He wants to meet you right where you are. He demands that we repent no matter who we are, but he wants to meet you right where you are. Remember what I said last week, Oprah? Oprah told that pastor Ted Haggard. Ted Haggard had been caught in a homosexual affair. He was using drugs. He came out of it. He repented. He's doing well. He's on Oprah, and he's trying to explain to Oprah what I was doing was sin. And she said, Oh, ho, ho, ho. the worst thing you can do is to deny yourself. Your primary responsibility to yourself is not to deny yourself. Folks, if I hadn't have denied myself, I'd have died at 30 with a Twinkie in one hand and a cigar in the other. Life is about denying yourself, coming out of whatever. It may be hard, it may be difficult. But you have a responsibility to yourself to follow Christ and be willing to make whatever changes you have to make. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand in just a moment. And I want to challenge you to come to Christ. Maybe it is homosexuality. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's, it's got a bad, slanderous tongue. Whatever it is. When we stand, you come this morning. And let one of our ministers help you come to Christ. You'd like to join the church one way you can do that. When we stand, you come. We'll be down here waiting on you. We want to be a church that loves gays, straights, and everybody in between. And points them to Jesus. Come and join us today. Christian, maybe today where you're standing or maybe at the altar, you need to make a recommitment to Christ with your morals, with your love, to be who God's called you to be. Maybe the reason the world, no, the reason the world is in such sad shape is because we failed to be who we should be. Step it up. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be down here waiting on you this morning. You come.